Good morning. Welcome to the Celtic Way Morning Briefing Live. It's Tuesday, November the 8th. I'm Tony Haggerty, as you know, a Haggerty, at a Haggerty 10 Twitter handle, as you know by now. And I'm joined today by Aidan McDonald at Aidan C. McDonald. Good morning, Aidan. How are you? I'm really good, Tony. How are you? Yes, yes. All good. I, I think so, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Drake and East Bride, but hey, there you go. It's always Drake and East Bride, as people would tell you, but there you have it. Now, just direct your attention, as always, to the strap line running along the bottom. You can subscribe to the Celtic Way. You know what I'm going to say. We say it every day. We urge you to hit that button and support top quality journalism covering the club you love. It's a pound for two months of full access to everything that's written on the website as well as the pods. And there's something there for everybody. Is there not, Aidan? Yeah, no, there's uh, all sorts of content, whether that be, you know, tactics, podcasts, features, etc. There's plenty to keep anybody occupied from all sorts of angles in terms of covering Celtic. So. Indeed. And all you do is hit the button, the subscription button, www.celticway.co.uk forward slash subscribe. A pound for two months of full access. It's a bargain. Now, Aidan, that's a good deal. But Matt O'Reilly, hmm, mm. deal, his World Cup deal and dreams hanging in the balance, Aidan. Casper Humland has named his squad. I hope that I pronounced that right, Aidan. It sounded good in my head, so we'll go with that. He's named a 21-man Danish squad at the minute. Now, the deadline for naming a 26-man squad is November the 13th, I believe, and there's five places up for grabs. Matt O'Reilly not being named in that squad as of yet, Danish under-21 internationalist. He could still go, but it's looking like an outside chance, is it not, Aidan, at this moment in time? Uh, yeah, it is looking like an outside chance. Obviously, it's 25, 26 a man squad that countries are able to name for the tournament in Qatar. So there is a possibility, like you mentioned there, Tony, but given he's not in the original 21 and obviously there's plenty of quality players uh, from Denmark that haven't been called up yet, it is probably going to be tough for Matt O'Reilly. Obviously, we need to have the caveat of it. It's not been that long since he was even playing under 21 mm-hmm. football. Sure. For Denmark, I think it was only this year that he broke into that setup. Uh, might have been one of the camps either in March or kind of at the end of the season, May, June, I can't fully really remember. But so he's not been involved with that setup that long. It was always probably going to be a wee bit of a, a tall order, even with him playing really well for Celtic, playing in the Champions League, etc. But as you say, it's not fully confirmed that he's not going to be involved, but it's going to be tough. Yeah, indeed. John Cregan comes in from Australia and says, it's unfortunate for players that don't make their national teams for the World Cup. But on the ups, on the upside, it gives us Celtic fans a chance to see them in Sydney next week. I guess there's always an upside. John, you're right. Uh, he's from Australia, so thanks for tuning in, John. Appreciate that. Pete Meek G says the less chance of bad injuries while on international duty suits me. Looking at it from a purely selfish point of view, there. Uh, and Andrew Galia says, "Morning, guys. How are we doing? Young O'Reilly has plenty of time to develop into an international midfielder." few comments coming in about uh, and Mark E says O'Reilly's potential World Cup squad call-up was always a long shot but the players should take pride in even being considered yeah I mean that's that's you've made, made that point there that he's no longer in the Danish under 21 squad looking at his uh, he's certainly his prominent rise Aidan to kind of 
that in his trajectory, career trajectory, his time will come certainly at international level. You know, so it's uh, it's not a if he doesn't make this squad, there'll be plenty of other squads to make, won't there? Yeah, and you'd imagine with the quality of the Denmark squad, they will be qualifying for Euros and World Cups for years to come. So, yeah. and obviously the current midfield is good as as aging a wee bit with Ericsson. This is probably his sort of last tournament, yeah. really, or one of his last ones anyway. So, yeah, there'll be plenty of opportunities for O'Reilly in the future. And as a comment I mentioned, it was probably always going to be a long shot. But you never know, you know, he could be in these sort of last five guys that are called up, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, you look at the Danish, there's four midfielders being called up already. Thomas Delaney from Seville, Matthias Jensen from Brentford, Christian Eriksen from Manchester United, and Pierre-Emile Schäuber from Tottenham. That's the four midfielders that have been called up already. Uh, you know, they're, they're all playing at a, a high level, but Matt O'Reilly's experienced Champions League football at the highest level as well. So, I mean, he, he's keeping good company there, is he not? Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. And as you rhyme some of those names off there, that they're all high quality footballers playing at, as you said, at a high level. But O'Reilly has done that as well, whether it be, you know, Champions League or big games against Rangers, etc. So he, I'm sure he'd be more able to hold his own if he was involved in that squad. It, it, it could be a thing that maybe the next if he does miss out the next World Cup, eh, not the next World Cup, sorry, the next day international camp is yeah. one that we see him called up to. So I, if I was him, I wouldn't be, you know, too disheartened because it, it's probably always going to be quite hard for him to make it. And obviously, you know, as we've already mentioned, it's not confirmed that he's yeah passed out, but it, it is going to be a tall order given the quality that Denmark have got. Pete Meek G says if he does get included, it'll be a remarkable rise in such a short race of time for low leagues in England. But we've touched upon that. And Michael Duffin says... I think it'll be great for Matt O'Reilly if he gets his chance. If not, it's great for him to go to Australia with the rest of the squad. Agree with that. And David Ferguson's still a great player. It's Denmark's loss, but he'll get his chance. Exactly what we're saying there. So, I mean, as you said there, Aidan, it's not totally confirmed, but it's just that the 21 have been named. He's not in that. There are a human can name five players up until November the 13th. And I think that's when you submit your final 26 to FIFA. So he might be on that, he might not, but there you go. Yeah, I think that it could be, but obviously it is going to be a bit of a tough, tough time for him to get in, as we've already mentioned, because it, there is a lot of quality in, in the Denmark squad. But yeah, it would be their loss, but it would also be Celtic's gain. And I'd imagine Ange, like a few of the commenters, they're probably in the back of his mind, Celtic would, would be quite happy if he's not away at the World Cup, even though... Uh, uh, as he always does mention before, you know, international camps, etc. He wants his uh, players. Oh, yeah, he wants his players to be there. Yeah. But you do wonder in the back of his mind, is he quite happy? That that's one less player he's got to worry about. Uh, he's seen that in control of him in terms of obviously yeah. he's like a couple of injury in training or in the friendlies in Australia, but probably less of a chance than if he's going to play seven, eight games with Denmark at the World Cup. Michael Ross says Denmark not short of class midfielders. Just round off a few of them there. Indeed, Michael. Yep. And David Ferguson says only four midfielders, so still a chance if he impresses next two games. Yeah, that's the caveat. He's got two games to stake a real claim, and there's those five places are up for grabs. Michael Ross comes back in and says, Oregon's still very young this time on his side, very much so. Uh, no, he, he could have played for uh, England, Norway, or Denmark, but chose Denmark because his mother's Danish, and uh, it looks like, I mean, he's obviously in the Danish under 21 squad and doing very well. So, yeah, there's a there's every chance if he doesn't make this one, he'll he'll play a prominent part for 
Danish international football in the future. Now, Denmark play Tunisia on the 22nd of November, France on the 26th of November, and then they bump into Australia on the 30th of November, Aidan. Uh, now, speaking of Australia, Aaron Moyes made their squad. Former Celt Tom Rogic didn't. I mean, are you surprised by that? Uh, probably on paper, it uh, maybe is a wee bit of a surprise. Not that Aaron, not Aaron Moy making the Australia squad, I wasn't that surprised mm. at that news because he has been involved even when he wasn't only playing in China. Sure. And then he was basically without a club, he still featured for their uh, World Cup playoffs at the sort of end of the season. So I'd, I'd expect him to be involved even if he hadn't played as much football as he did for Celtic. Obviously, he's been involved in quite a few games. Uh, more than we probably expected when he first signed. But even if that hadn't been the case, I still think he would have been called up to the their squad. For Roger, yeah, it, it is a wee bit of a surprise. Obviously, we know how good a player he is. But you wonder if maybe him taking so long to sort of get a club. And then, he, he's, I think he's been in and out for West Brom as well, hasn't he? Even before mm-hmm. Steve Bruce was sacked, he wasn't always favoured. And he took, even once he signed, it took him a while to get up to speed. Yeah, as that did for him at times uh, during seasons for Celtic. So it's a really high quality player that obviously I'm sure Australian fans they would maybe know a bit more about it than us, but that they would be desperate for him to be involved. But you know, maybe it's a fitness thing or something. I'm surprised, given you can name 26 players, that he's not even in the squad. Yeah, I'll be honest. But yeah, maybe it's to do, do his lack of game time, etc. Beach Boys saying Tom Rogic, what a disastrous six months he's had. Yeah, it's not been the best time for Tom Rogic of late, has it? Nah, it, it's probably not really since he left Celtic. Obviously, there was rumours in the summer of him retiring at one point, etc. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, that didn't come to fruition, but it, it, it has been probably a bit more difficult than he would have liked since leaving Celtic at the end of last season. But we know how quality a player he is. I'm sure he can turn it around and. But he, he, he is getting on a wee bit, so he probably mm-hmm. does feel this could be one of his last major tournaments. So to miss out on that, I'm sure it'll be quite disappointing. Andrew Gillia says, eh, Moy, Irvin and Rustic are a strong midfield. That's eh, the, the midfielders that have gone in front of him. And Michael Duffin said he watched an interview this morning about the Australian squad and he believes it's down to match fitness with Tom Logic. Well, you just touched upon that, didn't you? So that, that might well be an issue, but Bad luck for Tom Rogic, but good for Aaron Moy. And also, a note with incest, Aidan, I'm trying to say this without people going off their head in an airplane, losing their kind of shape, style. Riley McGreeves in. Now, there's a name from the last Bad. summer that passed that uh, Celtic supporters conjure with. Riley McGree, who claimed that Celtic offered him an and said there was, I think there was, a kind of chat conversation wasn't there but swiftly moved on when he realised the player didn't want to sign for Celtic and opted to sign for Middlesbrough instead. He's in the squad. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not entirely sure of you know how many games he's played when he's been involved with Middlesbrough. I, I haven't seen his name pop up that often in terms of like you know goals assists all that sort of jazz. But he, he could have been doing okay, I don't know. But I, I actually just when you mentioned him there <laughs> That was probably quite interesting in terms of Ange, even though it was January, obviously, so he had been in for a period of time at Celtic, he was setting out his stall in terms of a lot of his kind of transfer strategy. 
he's not going to try and sell this club too much to players. Yes. He's able to kind of decide. He'll also do an original pitch of some sort if he wants to get someone in, but if they make clear that they think they can do better elsewhere, I think Ange will just be moving on. That was sort of the idea we got from last year, which I'm sure as a strategy all the fans are quite happy with because you don't want to be trying to bring in players that maybe long-term don't really want to be here or even for a couple of years don't want to be here. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, a lot of uh, players spoke about the phone call that Ange, uh, that they had with Ange before signing and said not that they, he did a selling job, but just they said after speaking to him, they were they were ready to come, you know. So clearly whatever conversation he had with Ryland McGree, uh, it just it wasn't clear. And as you say, Ange quickly moved on. I think he sang Matt O'Reilly after that, didn't he? Yeah, it was quite quickly after that, if I remember rightly, that O'Reilly signed. So I think it's probably worked out okay in the end, in, in that example anyway. Yeah, indeed. And I, I think a lot of Celtic supporters uh, certainly moved on from it. It was just a kind of, it stuck me as a kind of name, O'Reilly McGree. And I was like, oh, well, he's in the squad, okay, fair enough. But there you go. <laughs> Andrew Gillia, tongue-in-cheek. McGree is the Aussie Turnbull. <laughs> there you go. I think he's, uh, there you go, sorry. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think Celtic got the better deal out of that uh, long term by bringing in Matt O'Reilly instead of O'Reilly McGree. And I think that's been borne out so far in both players' career trajectories. Uh, you know, you've, you've heard a lot and seen a lot of Matt O'Reilly, who's played at the highest level and is now a Danish under-21 internationalist. And O'Reilly McGree, while he's an Australian internationalist and heading for the World Cup, I've not heard too much about him setting the header alight at Middlesbrough, Aidan, as you've said. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm the same. I, I've not seen his name pop up too much, whether it be in the Championship last season or in recent months. Once again, I'm sure the guy is a decent player. The fact that Postacoglu wanted to sign him would say that he's, he's definitely got something there. But I, I think all the fans were quite happy when, when Matt O'Reilly came in. Yeah, indeed. Now, myself and Sean spoke about the Dundee United game yesterday, Aidan, uh, you were off on a day off. Hope you enjoyed it. But just to get your kind of take on Dundee United, what, what did you make of the controversies and any particular performance stick out to you as well on Saturday? In terms of the overall game, thankfully Celtic won. Obviously an important three points. That became even more important with uh, Rangers losing the next day. In terms of the match itself, I thought at times the performance was all right. It was a wee bit static, probably not what the manager wants, but you are coming off a European game. And we've seen previously over the years Celtic coming off European games and you're dropping points. So winning after a Champions League game, I'm, I'm never going to complain about too much. In terms of the, the decisions, obviously, <laughs> the penalty, uh, probably been discussed to death by you guys and online at this point, kind of a few days on. And I, the whole handball rule, it's getting to the stage really now I mean, with Burnaby, his, his hands out, he's not even looking at it. It's clear that he does not mean it. It's not really blocking the ball. It's not really blocking like, a goal-scoring opportunity, in my opinion, either. Obviously, it's blocking the ball, but it's not really blocking like, a goal-scoring opportunity. When you see it, not too many players are appealing for it, and yeah. then obviously it gets pulled back. I found that a bit of a bizarre decision. Uh, now, the rules probably do state that it's any, really any seems to be any sort of contact really in the box at this stage. With your hand as a penalty, that kind of other quite harsh example being the Matt O'Reilly one in the Champions League last week. Uh, but 
<laughs> I just I thought it was a bit of a ridiculous decision personally. Obviously, it ended up not affecting the result, but that doesn't mean you can't discuss it. Sure. And if that is going to be the case, a bit like the O'Reilly one and the Champions League, if both of them are always going to be kind of up for debate, then there's going to be a lot of penalties given this season in games across the Scottish Premiership, nothing to do with just Celtic and all the fixtures. But obviously, in a more positive aspect, the team showed good fight. Disappointing for it to go to two each way on. And you're starting to get a bit worried. But despite, obviously, nat- naturally feeling a bit concerned, you-, you did also think Celtic are going to get at least one more chance. Turned out they actually get two more chances, Tony. Which was yes. Uh, but o- overall, I uh, was happy with the win. And it showed good fight, but a bit of a baffling decision in terms of the penalty. What did you think of the other incident involving Craig Sibold and George's Jack and Marcus? Was that a red card for you? I definitely think it merited more than what was given anyway. I mean, he does, when I seen it the, the first time, it, it did look like that he's, he's just went right through him and it's a straight red card. And then when you start to see it going to VAR, given how close the referee was to it, you think, well, it's taking ages. Maybe it's maybe it's not as obvious as I first thought because mm-hmm. the referee had a clear eye. He's a lot more closer than anyone understands, etc. As They all thought it was a foul. So how can he not see it? And it always yeah. goes on and on and on, and it just kind of peters out to nothing, doesn't it? Yeah. I, I, I do think, I think it probably could have been at least a yellow, and I think if it had been a red, there wouldn't have been too much sort of uproar about it. It was yeah. a bit of a challenge, and you have, I, I don't like to make comparisons too much to other, other decisions because it's all relevant mm. in the individual game, but you have seen them given, do you know what I mean? Just yeah. in terms of, uh, players flying in, both whether it be Celtic players on uh, opposition players or vice versa. You, ha- you have seen decisions like that given over the years. Yeah, that was a wee bit of a baffling one. The fact that there wasn't even no way of talking to or anything. It was just sort of play on and that was it really. Yeah, yeah that, that was a, a bit of an interesting decision as well, Tony. But, you know, <laughs> one of those ones that's var. We'll just need to put it into TV issues, I guess. That's all you can only do at this stage. While William Lamont comes in and says Dermot Gallagher, the ex-English ref, VAR expert, said it was a penalty on VAR rules. I, I, I did notice with interest what he said about it. Uh, I I accept his explanation, but yeah, no, same you, you can still, you don't have to agree with it, do you? Nah, the whole handball rule, it seems to just be changing like every day at this point. And I've I, I seen that clip as well, and I can probably understand it within the, the VAR rules that that is the case. I think the fact that it took, firstly, the referee probably couldn't really see it properly, uh, so I can understand why he doesn't blow up straight away, but it took so long for them on VAR as well. I don't know the exact time, but it was at least a few minutes. The fact that they were deliberating on it for so long shows that it was a bit unclear. If it was as clear as everybody knows the rules 100%, this is the case, he probably wouldn't even have had to have went had a look at the monitor to be honest, but obviously the guys yeah watching it for VAR felt that they had to get the F3 to go and have a look. So it wasn't entirely clear. But like I say, I think there's going to be a lot of not even issues, but contentious decisions with VAR. And we obviously if you were in favour of VAR, you, you were thankful it was coming in earlier rather than waiting until after the World Cup break. But now it's going to be at the stage that after there's going to be a five-week period where they're then not using it. 
at least in games anyway. I'm sure they might be doing simulated stuff behind the scenes, etc. But in games, are they not going to be using it for five weeks? So that's going to have them at a turn by the time we come back for games on the 17th of December. But hopefully it kind of evens itself out in the long run, but we'll see. <laughs> now, you said the positive and all that was that Celtic yes. stretched the lead at the top to seven points, courtesy of their win and courtesy of Rangers' loss in Perth. So it was a good weekend all round for Celtic. They head to Motherwell on Wednesday night and we'll preview that in full tomorrow. But just to touch upon that, I've written a piece and I'll put the comment and I'll put the piece into the comment section there. I've written a piece on why Ralston should be the automatic starter for these two games before uh, the World Cup commences and also making the case for him maybe to hold on to that jersey because Joseph Juranovic's time he's run to kind of fall out of form uh, really badly it's the head of the World Cup but maybe the World Cup will refresh him and maybe he'll feel he'll have a good World Cup and come back you know uh, ready to go again but uh, yeah I, I'm suggesting that Ralston should certainly start the next couple of games and possibly ones in the future, starting with Motherwell on Wednesday night. Do you agree, Aidan, or are you still a Juranovic man at the minute? Hey, I think I've, I've said before that I'm a fan of both players. That's going to sound like a cop-out answer, Tony, but I'll get there. Uh, mm. I have said that I, I like both players, and I think they're suited for different sorts of fixtures. I, I do personally feel Juranovic is the better player. Uh, he has definitely dipped in form this season particularly some of his European performances haven't been good at all. And that's not even to do with him missing the penalty against Real Madrid. Yeah. They can miss a penalty. It's, there's more of his actual defensive play in that match in the last couple of Champions League games. I, I would be, have no issues with Ralston playing uh, the, these two fixtures. I do think if Juranovic was to go with Croatia, I mean, he's been a regular starter sure. from when he was at Liga also to when he's joined Celtic, he's always kind of been involved with them. So I'd imagine he will sort of start uh, for however many games are involved in the World Cup. If he does play and does well, I think it'd be quite hard, regardless of how poor his performances have been before and how strong Ralston might do if he plays in these two games. It'd be quite hard to leave him out uh, going forward. But if Ralston is to play, uh, I would have no issues with that, Tony, to be honest. Yeah, Andrew Gillia, Tony Ralston is the man, and Robert Gibson, Ralston ahead of Josip Juranovic every time. Well, there you go. It's one that's certainly splitting opinion. Andrew Gillia come back and saying Ralston has more impact. There you go. And M. Young saying to sell Josip Juranovic if he can get 10 million plus. There you go. And Helen Fix says Ralston 10 years. There you go. And Pete Me G says. JJ is not the same player as he was last season. He's, he's hot and cold at the minute, whereas Tony Nelson gives us all in every game. But like my own thoughts there, uh, Pete, um, if you read the piece on the on the website, you'll see what I uh, what I think. And Wombat comes in and says, love Rolly, he's a tough nut. That's a new name, yeah, Rolly. <laughs> there you it's go. Often you see a new nickname for a player. Like this. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And Max Stark says, think Josip Granovic has a good World Cup. He'll be away. Uh, and FS comes in and says, "I would hate to see Josip Granov go elsewhere. However, he's one of the most he's one of the most likely players to be sold in January." And Beach Boys says, "JJ away in January. Ralston is a fire in the belly to play for Celtic." Well, it's uh, 
certainly a, a talker, Aidan, isn't it? Let's put it that way. It's a talker. If you want to go and read the the piece that are written on the website, you'll you'll see where I'm coming from on that one. So, uh, yeah, I uh, my without giving too much away about my starting eleven tomorrow. That's a certain starter for me, all right. So, but we'll we'll preview all that tomorrow. But Aidan, we spoke about it on Friday that. We said nine points with three games before the World Cup commenced was imperative. One down, two to go. Mother will to come uh, to, uh, tomorrow night. So just hoping that Celtic can keep up the, that that record and get all nine points bef- that are up for grabs before the World Cup starts. Yeah, no, it is vital that they make sure to maintain this sort of consistent run of domestic form. Obviously, the fact that you're now seven points clear, Celtic will not want to be sort of regressing on that between now and the end of the before between now and the end of this sort of first section of the season before the World Cup break. They'll want to make sure that they're still the seven points clear because that's an excellent margin to have at this time of the season. Obviously, there's a long way to go, but it does give you that cushion that if the team did drop points, you, you would still have sort of an extensive lead rather than just like a point or something like that. So I'd imagine Andrew will have the players right up for it and I think he'll play a relatively strong team for these uh, two games as well. I don't think there'll be that much rotation but of course I have said that before and then there has been rotation so I wouldn't want to be trying to second guess too much what the manager's done given my recent predictions record but anyway. But I think as you say there'll be strong teams because you'll want to at least go into that break for the World Cup seven points ahead. You won't want to relinquish any points at all uh, in the next two games, and hopefully <coughs> uh, they might even increase their lead, depending on what happens uh, on the other side of the city when they, they play their two games. But certainly Celtic, if they can go into the, the break at the World Cup, seven points ahead, that is, as you say, a healthy lead to have, isn't it? It's a really healthy lead to have, Tony, and it's probably better than anyone could have expected at this stage of the season. If that's the sort of maybe I would be thinking... If you've had a really positive sort of 12 months, maybe that's where you're sitting come the end of the campaign, never mind now. So it's considering uh, you've still got, you know, three derbies, etc. ahead, which obviously means there's a lot to play for. The fact that you're sitting seven points clear is a real positive. And if the team can keep that as it is or extend it, which would be amazing, before the, the break, then they'll be in a really positive position when football comes back, come the 17th of December. Well, it's what the manager alluded to, didn't he? After their Real Madrid game, he said if they keep that kind of tempo and level of performance up, they'll be hard to stop. They will be hard to stop. Yeah, you know, particularly domestically. Obviously, a lot of the kind of bit parts of the Champions League performances, if you put them into games uh, in the week, the Cups, etc., you would find that the majority of the time Celtic would be Getting a result as you've probably seen at the the weekend, it wasn't. It was by no means a perfect performance, but it was enough to intensity, enough sort of good points for Celtic. Despite it happening late on, in the end, it was at least mathematically a comfortable scoreline, and they probably did deserve to score three or four goals in that game, despite obviously two of them coming right at the end. So yeah, it all seemed on a domestic front, it all seems relatively positive at the moment, Tony. Indeed, and as I say, the Celtic bandwagon. Continues at Motherwell on Wednesday night. Aiden, three points is what's required to keep that lead, lead at the top. And uh, 
I agree. I think the manager will play a strong team. You know, my thoughts on these matters, just be professional and clinical and ruthless when you can. And certainly that's been the hallmark of Celtic domestically so far under Ange with the minor blip against St Mirren. But they, they seem to be knuckling down domestically, certainly, and got the bit between the teeth. Yeah, no, they, they do. And they've been really solid in the league in the Cups, even the most uh, recent game in the Premier Sports uh, Cup against Motherwell at Fur Park. Only a couple of weeks ago, that was a pretty solid performance. Also, Celtic scored four, but that was another game it could have easily been Kyogo and himself could have had about four or five goals. So yeah. that will give the players confidence as well. The fact that you, you've been there recently and played well, the well got a good result. So yeah, uh, professional performance needed, of course, but hopefully they can put on a good show. Excellent. Well, as I say, we'll be back tomorrow to preview that. Uh, will you be there, Aiden? You coming on tomorrow? Are you coming back on tomorrow to join us? Uh, I think it might be you and Sean tomorrow. Okay. Know, yeah, I think then I'm Thursday, Friday. Ah, right. Okay, fair enough. Myself and, and Sean, fair enough, whoever it is, we'll, we'll still be here to, to look at the Motherwell game in depth. But as I always say, thank you very much for your comments. Really appreciate it. We always do. We like the community that we've built here in the Celtic way and we like the toing and throwing and we value your opinions. We couldn't do it without you. And I'll just draw your attention again to, well, the bottom start line, you know you know by now. If you subscribe to the Celtic Way, it's a pound for two months of full access. You can read everything that's written on the website. Some real quality articles on there, as Aidan said earlier. Stats, data analysis, some big interviews, all all sorts of wonderful stuff on the website. You just hit a button, it's a pound for two months, full access for everything. Website pods, www.celticway.co.uk forward slash subscribe. Aidan, thank you for your contribution today. Enjoyed that. Loved it. It's amazing how half an hour goes when you're talking about Celtic, isn't it? It's incredible. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much. We keep our fingers crossed for Matt O'Reilly and hope that he manages to make be one of those last five players that are called up by Casper Humeland. Looking increasingly unlikely, but there's always hope. Two good games, Matt. You know what to do. And we say congratulations to Aaron Moy. And commiserations to Tom Logic as well. But we shall reconvene tomorrow, same time, same bat channel. Thanks, Aidan. Thanks, guys. All the best. Cheers, guys. <laughs>